Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Schrode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. The Magic concluded the preseason 2-2, two and two, and their 32nd regular season starts two days before Christmas. Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac signed extensions, indicating that Weltham have given up on Orlando being a free agency destination for at least the next few years. That's probably not news to most Magic fans, but this definitely affirms everything. And fans are back at Amway Center, for better or worse, as we begin this 72-game campaign with the cloud of COVID-19 hanging over everything, as well as a season opener against our rivals down south. Fuck you, Miami. Fuck you. Let's go. So let's get into the extension talk, Penny. So before the Monday night league uh, contract deadline, the Magic signed Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac to three and four year extensions respectively as their rookie deals were soon to expire. So it it was extension season basically during the weekend and and through Monday night. But Fultz gets a three year, $50 million deal. So uh, the third year is a team option. Uh, I would consider it a very team-friendly contract in my eyes. He's making about the same amount of money as Luke Kennard is with the Clippers. He signed uh, that his deal the same the same day. Um, no word on if any of the money's you know front-loaded or back-loaded. I've I heard I've been I've heard that it's actually back-loaded both him and Isaac's deal, but. Um, it's basically about sixteen point six million dollars per year if if it's if it was even per se. So, I mean, Fultz is making about a little over twelve million dollars now this season. I mean, he he was the former number one pick of the twenty seventeen draft, so he's making a lot of money. But I mean, going from like twelve point four or something like that up to sixteen point six, it's actually not a huge jump, but. I mean, what do you think of that deal, Penny? And I, I think it's it's actually fair for what the Magic expect of Markel, and basically the progress we've seen from Mar- you know out of Markel from going from literally not playing basketball what eighteen months ago to he you know, he played last season for the Magic. He missed one game, and that was due to like a a, a flu. Uh, I think it was because of the flu, he missed one game. And he's showing even better progress so far in the preseason, both on the court and even off the court in just the interviews. You see he's got that confidence going. Yeah, I'm not sure what, um, how much you can attribute it to the Magic's um, you know, performance staff and basketball uh, you know, development staff, but you can certainly attribute it to his uh, perseverance and work ethic over the last two plus years, um, you know, the, the dollar amount I think is an incremental raise over, um, you know, this year's salary figure more or less. Mm-hmm. And look, he's a, he's a starting point guard in the NBA. So you're, you know, you're going to, you're going to spend 15, 20, 25% of your salary cap on a starting point guard. And uh, I think, you know, the way that Clifford effuses praise on him. Yeah, big time, big praise. And and 
I don't think, you know, that, that type of extra ultra positive talk, I don't think is necessarily common from him. So, um, you know, we're, we're all excited to, to tip off this season and see what he looks like. But I, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg, don't you? Yeah. And, and look, um, and, and we'll basically both Fultz and Isaac had their interviews today and, you know, we're recording this on a Tuesday early evening. So it's before, uh, the, the two, the national NBA games start tonight. Um, you know, the magic play tomorrow, Wednesday night, you know, hosting the heat, um, UCF football is hosting BYU in the Boca Raton bowl. So go Knights. Good luck. But, um, basically Fultz and Isaac had their interviews today and both just really emphasized how much, how good their relationships are with, uh, you know, John Hammond and Jeff Weltman. Like really, really emphasized uh, just how much trust they have in them, and they really care. You know, they really care for both these guys' well beings. You know, in Isaac's case, Isaac is Weltham's first draft pick, basically in charge of the Magic, and you know, he was the sixth. He was the sixth pick in 2017. Fultz is the only real big trade acquisition that the Magic have done during this Weltham tenure, and so. These two guys are, you know, it's not a shock, but I mean, Wilhelm expect both Fultz and Isaac to end, eventually end up being probably the two best players on this Magic team. I don't think I'm, I'm crazy saying that. Whether that happens or not, we're going to find out, but they're treating them like they're going to be studs, and they're paying them like they're going to be studs. You know, in Isaac's case, you know, Jonathan Isaac's getting a four-year, $80 million contract, He's making the same exact amount of money as Jeremy Grant is in Detroit. And I would say Isaac's upside is immensely higher than Jeremy Grant's. So, um, you know, there's there's really quite two viewpoints on how on, on these contracts. Most Magic fans are pretty pleased with, with these deals. Um, in Fultz's case, he doesn't have the insecurity of not being paid, you know, or not having a, a long-term contract in the back of his mind. He can just focus on this season. You know, he's, he's signed on the dotted line. And in Isaac's case, most people could have been like, well, can't you wait to see how he progresses through his rehab, you know, for a year and whatnot before you maybe make this decision? And yeah, you can, but it, it, I think this is almost as much of a PR move as it, around the league as it is just a, a moment of trust, a giving of trust to both Isaac and Fultz in that they're they're handing I mean they're they're laying it out for them like hey we believe in you guys you're gonna be the guys that lead this franchise to success point Blake and now it's up to you guys to just kind of live up to to that money to these expectations and so in my mind you know from a local perspective I think it's it, it, it this is good business and what Wellham have done overall during their tenure is they haven't really signed a tear like a horrendously awful contract like we saw during the Hennigan era with say like Bismack Biombo. So um, most of the contracts during you know all the contracts really in the Wellham era have been pretty reasonable. There's been some pretty good negotiations, and they're conducting business like a professional organization. And it just kind of goes to show that again. They're trying to show to the rest of the league, to other players maybe that they want to eventually maybe trade for or sign down the road that, you know, we we respect our players. We treat, you know, if if you're a top-tier guy or we view you to be a top-tier guy, we're going to treat you like that. So, but from a national perspective, there's national guys. I mean, I've been listening to podcasts and, and reading tweets and stuff and, 
I mean, most people think the magic are, are just insane. Like they've put, they compared some of these moves to the shit spending that, you know, Troy Weaver did with Detroit, you know, give it, you know, giving Mason Plumley and Jaleel Okafor and, you know, Jeremy Grant, huge money, huge contracts and whatnot. And I would just say, no, it's completely opposite. Cause you got, you know, Isaac and Fultz who are both, you know, under the age of 25 that are definitely going to get better. It's just a situation in Isaac's case where all the risk is it's health. It really is health. But if he comes to even play 75% of the games during this, you know, this contract extension, then I think it's actually a good deal. And we'll see if there's any type of hedging with this contract. Cause all we know about is the four years, 80 million. We don't know about any options. We don't know about, you know, well, what happens if, you know, you miss another season to injury or something, you know, we don't know if there's any medical uh, exceptions to it or any of that. So what, what are your thoughts on all that, Penny? Well, I think first and foremost to the layperson. $20 million a year sounds exorbitant, but you have to remember that the salary cap rise has been exorbitant in the NBA over the last several seasons. You know, you're, you're looking at players that are going to make 40, $50 million a year. So um, I, in terms of the dollar figure for, for both of the extensions, I'm more than happy with them. I, um, I wouldn't consider it to be a hometown discount but I no also it's not a discount but it's not i don't i i, I won't consider it an overpay it's not an overpay and i and i think too to your point um you know no one can have any qualms with the front office of the magic with regard to the handling of their young players and um providing support for players that are rehabbing injuries so i, I think that has to bode well around the league even if we're not a free agent destination over the next you know few seasons at least as a, a trade destination um and also you know the extensions are not necessarily unrestricted free agency right but the player still has to have an interest not only in securing their financial future but also in tying their professional future to orlando um and i think that has to speak positively to the organization too that both Fultz and Isaac were willing to lock in here as well yeah no i mean it, it definitely speaks volumes for sure just being able to retain these guys and most people say well fold still has a lot to prove and isaac's a you know watch a walking injury case but there's trust me if you let if you gave other teams on the market a chance they'd be throwing similar money to them there's they're out there trust me so and the other caveat to that too to your point is that the, the free agency class for next summer continues to dry up, right? Yeah. So there's going to be teams with money, and there's not going to be a lot of targets, um, and the asking price for both Fultz and Isaac could, could have skyrocketed uh, crazy. Yeah, barring some crazy trades that the, that allow the Magic to dump salary, I mean, we're, we're definitely punting on 2021 free agency and probably 2022 free agency. So from there... Now we're going to get to the point because I mean this. I mean we'll talk about the depth chart again now going in. There isn't that star, that absolute go-to stud that the Magic have, but our depth overall I think is better than last season, and we're going to see. We're going to see how how it plays out for sure. But um, you know, again from from a national perspective, I, I couldn't care less what what their opinions are because they don't watch the Magic and. 
I would take opinions with a huge grain of salt. Now, on the other side, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a homer, of course. And people know I, I'm a very optimistic person when it comes to the Magic. But we as local people that watch this Magic team, you know, for entire seasons, we know more than, than they do. And so in that regard, I'd like to think that we can we can say for certain that it's not an overpay, that the value for these guys is good. And look, from a free agency perspective, we knew go. We, we probably knew either way in 2021, even if we wanted to go after a big name, that they wouldn't come here. And so now we're kind of in a situation where we're like with the Spurs, we're like with Milwaukee maybe or uh, or Utah, where we're not really recruiting guys in free agency. It's, it's going to have to be done through trades. And so that's where the depth comes in, where you're going to see some guys really, you know, earn – earn their stay, earn their roster spot. And you're going to see other guys who are making more than them that are not as valuable or not worth the salaries that they're getting. And you want to see what you can get for them in the trade, you know, out in the trade market. So we'll see as the season plays out. But um, I do want to get to the next topic, which is the Magic are going to allow 4,000 fans inside Amway Center for regular season games, which is about 20 to 25% uh, capacity of, of the building. Now, we've seen in the two home preseason games against Charlotte, um, which we split, that you know they started with literally the first home game. It was friends and family, so you know a couple hundred people. And then for the second preseason game, uh, you know the last one that we just saw was Charlotte, which was a, a very fun win that Cole Anthony showed some clutch gene action with that. But um, you know there's about a thousand fans in the building for that. The thought and the assumption is for this heat opener Wednesday that it's going to be about 2,000 fans. Um, and then they're going to spend the next few more home games slowly ratcheting up to that 4,000 mark. So once they, you know, in a few more, in a, in a few weeks, they'll be at the 4,000 mark. Um, we're one of seven teams accepting fans. So it's Houston, New Orleans, Memphis, Cleveland, Utah us of course and the Tampa Raptors so we now have to worry about you know a third Florida team right now with Tampa but uh with Tampa hosting the Raptors but um that number of seven teams will grow soon I'm sure uh because I mean look teams want to try and make money and if they're seeing that these plans are working and you know it's not contributing to the COVID-19 epidemic pandemic then um, you know, more, more, that seven team number will grow in my mind, but, um, look, you can find the info on the magic site. I mean, it's being shared everywhere basically, but there's a lot of info and protocol involved with this. Um, Alex Martins did a couple interviews and spoke about the measures, but, you know, it includes things like upgraded air filtration, testing fans sitting closest to the action. Um, you know, wearing a uh, mask is obviously mandatory. There's plexiglass involved with even like the scorekeepers and the broadcasters. No exchanging of cash if you want to purchase anything. Um, I, I will say, and this is my nitpick with, with health surveys, but with, with the health surveys that get sent out to every person that has to fill these out to attend games, I would say it's more about uh, guarding against liability than actual worrying about health. But um, people lie. So if you fill out the form and say you're fine and then you end up not being fine and it caused problems for people around you, then, hey, you can't blame the magic for it. But, um, yeah, so... 
good luck seeking legal action in that in that case. But um, look, I, I went to the Orlando City's, you know, went to Orlando City Soccer's uh, first ever playoff game on November twenty first, where we uh, beat and hosted NYCFC, and you know what we were not told, uh, you know what all fans were not told was that Orlando City actually went from. 25% capacity, which was about 5,000 people in their 25,000 seat stadium. And, you know, they went from the 25% capacity and noticeably increased that that attendance for uh, for that playoff game. Um, and it's funny enough, they never released the official attendance for that game. But my guess was attendance was pretty close to 10,000. It was at least over 7,500. And I had not been to a home match since the pandemic had begun. You know, but I'd seen on TV how it, I mean, it was, it's spacious when there's only 5,000 people in the, in the stadium, you can really space them out pretty nicely. And, you know, things get much more tighter when you basically double attendance. And so, um, you know, for the match, I wore my mask, I wore sunglasses. I didn't touch my face the entire three and a half hours. I didn't drink anything, eat anything, go to the bathroom, nothing. I was literally there for the soccer match because I was not going to miss Orlando city's first playoff uh, game in MLS. So um, I was still a little concerned though during the match because I mean there's people just not consistently wearing their face masks. Um, you know they're either they're wearing them. You know they're not covering their nose. Um, they're keep taking it off entirely because they're basically using. You know they're they're supposedly eating and drinking the whole match or whatnot. Um, they're they're abusing that drinking eating kind of mask wearing exception, but and. It's it's not great. It's not ideal. So by the time we got to penalties, and this ended up being a three-hour, 15-minute match, or like a three-and-a-half-hour match um, due to the penalties and the referee chaos. And I'm just so glad Orlando City won that match. But Because, uh, I mean, it was one of the craziest soccer matches I've ever seen, let alone been to. Um, but everybody's screaming and pissed off at the officials, and some of those people screaming and pissed off are not wearing masks. Uh you know, I, I had it's the most concerned I've been from for from a health perspective uh, for myself since I was in Greece for the two weeks I went to on vacation back in late August, early September when I was on a plane flying from uh, from Athens to Crete, and so I I just have a warning for the Magic and and Amway Center in general is I get it you got to make money you you want to develop a, a a fan atmosphere because god knows we don't want to have to keep relying on fake crowd noise because it, it sounds like shit on tv um my i mean even if you have four thousand fans in namway center they'll because most of them probably won't be screaming that loud you'll still be using fake crowd noise anyway but um i get it you want to develop some type of atmosphere some type of home court and you want to make money um I would just say that people that, that go to these venues, get, and you see it on TV all the time, you see it in college football, you see it in English Premier League soccer, you see it everywhere. A lot of people that go to these games, that go to, that attend these sporting matches and whatnot, they don't abide by protocols. And you know, once they get in there, they think they're fine, and they take their masks off. And I'm just, just be careful. That, that's all I'm going to say. Because... Look, the death count in the U.S., it's over 320,000 people that have died in the U.S. from COVID-19. And again, there's still people that don't believe this is a real thing. This is a real issue. And I I'm, I just want people to be, to be safe and to just really abide by the rules. Because we don't want to be in a situation where the NBA is looking around 
especially at Magic games, seeing people with their masks off or not abiding by protocol and then just immediately just killing it off. Because I actually do think that with 4,000 people in a, an Amway Center that in a building that holds between 17,000, 18,000-ish fans, that you can you can do this. It's fine. You, you can keep everybody safe. You can keep everybody spaced out. As long as everybody's wearing their masks and as long as you know they're using stuff like you know plexiglass to block people off and to block certain paths off, I think this can happen. So... I don't know. I went on a big rant, Penny, but I don't know what your your thoughts are on that. Uh, well, first and foremost, any any live event is enhanced by a, a crowd, and absolutely, sports are you know I, I think players draw inspiration and energy from the crowd, and vice versa. So that whole experience has been missing. Um, you know, I haven't done anything fun since March of 2020. And kudos I, to you. We're on the, you know, we're in the home stretch, you know, we, after all this time that to, for me personally, seeing that through is important because otherwise, I, you know, what, what would have been the purpose of the last nine plus months? So, yeah, we're getting I there. Say I, I don't think that there's going to be any type of enforcement from Amway Center staff. I, I understand that, um, you know by virtue of the governor and the state we're, that we're living in, that uh, it's a possible, you know, it's allowable. Mm -hmm. And I understand the financial motivations and I understand even the sense of normalcy motivations to have fans. So I, I hope that people, I hope 4,000 people do go. I hope that they socially distance in the concourses and I hope that they follow appropriate protocols before, during, and after attending. And I hope they give the Magic some sort of home court advantage. Um, but I, I don't think I'll be attending a game in person uh, until I'm properly vaccinated and uh, ready to go enjoy without any uh, lingering worries or doubts. Yeah, I... And now that we're talking about this, I, a couple questions kind of popped in my mind. But I wonder when... Because... The, fa the Pfizer vaccine's out, you know, it's going to, to critical care workers for, you know, healthcare workers, medical care workers. It's going to people over the age of 75, basically. And I know the Moderna vaccines, it's out. It's, it's probably going to be rolled out this week now. So there's going to be multiple vaccines out there, hopefully getting out to millions of people. But I wonder, one, when will the NBA get their hands on vaccines for all their players? Because it was kind of a similar situation with when they started the bubble because, you know, you had, you know, you had the league shut down March 11th and then they waited and waited and waited for the right time, you know, when they thought that the, that COVID-19 was somewhat under control and that it wouldn't be such an enormous burden to, to county and state resources and city, re, you know, municipality resources, but to actually do the bubble at Disney World around June. And I wonder if it's going to be a similar situation where there's kind of waiting now, waiting now, waiting now. Then it's like, okay, February, we're, we're getting everybody vaccinated. So I wonder when that's going to happen, if that's going to be, you know, within the next month or two, if it's going to be later towards April, May, right before the playoffs, basically. Um, I would like to personally get vaccinated by the end of May, but it basically when it's near our birthdays and when the regular season's over and we're getting into that play-in period and playoff period so that if we're vaccinated for i would assume it once you're vaccinated and if we're we're vaccinated we we could actually go to a game but um 
I, you know, until then I'm with you. I don't plan on going to a magic game this regular season. Um, it's not worth it right now. I'm more than comfortable listening to, you know, watching it, watching on TV, you know, hearing, uh, you know, David Steele and Jeff Turner on the call. But, um, my other question I was thinking of just now, you know, just now was how many Miami Heat fans do we think are actually going to be in attendance for this game on Wednesday? Because there's going to be 2,000 people. My hope is that the Magic makes sure that all 2,000 of those people support the Magic, but I got a feeling that we might get a couple hundred Heat fans. What are your thoughts? Um, I saw a couple of tickets actually posted like on even Facebook Marketplace and stuff for pretty high pricing. Yeah. I I, I think of the 2,000, how many will be Heat fans yeah. or how many will be wearing a Heat jersey? Um, I guess both. I, I don't I don't see them kicking you out if you wear a Heat jersey. I mean, I, I think that the I think based on last year and also the rise of Tyler Hero, I think we're circling back around to bandwagon Miami fans again. But I, I would say that uh, it's going to be sixty forty in favor of of uh, Miami. Oh, you think I'm it's going to be that bad? Jesus, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I based on the bubble performance and the lack of enthusiasm right now yeah that's gonna suck oh my gosh what do you think i think it's gonna be 20 percent heat fans i i i think it's gonna be 20 percent tops i i really if it's worse than that then there was no point in opening this up because you're giving the heat a home court in that regard so um all right let's go to the next topic i feel bad for magic fans that uh depend on the radio call uh a lot more than say watching on tv but it's gonna suck not having dennis newman this season um you know yeah david and jeff they've called magic radio games in the past i've listened to some of those uh but doing a tv to radio simulcast it's it's not gonna work um you know you really need to be more detailed and provide uh just more via the you know a radio outlet than just the typical magic tv call just because you just got to be more detailed with it and you know for me and thankfully you know i'll be able to i'll probably be depending more you know actually watching every second on tv but you know when i was finishing up my mba this season or you know this this year um you know when i would go home i'd have to i'd listen to the radio call a lot and dennis newman's the best i hope he's well and I hope somehow they, they bring him back, you know, next season somehow. I I don't know how that's gonna work moving forward. It's it's a cost cutting move, which it's I'm not a fan of, but um and who knows how many people are tuning in listening to the radio, but Newman's one of the best, if not the best on the radio and I I, I miss him. I mean for these two preseason games that were in Atlanta, you know, it was available only through this the tv to radio simulcast and you know both games were not shown by uh fox sports florida but david and and jeff were were on the call but you know unless you were able to legally stream it which cough cough you know i i did but um i uh and that was the the shitty atlanta broadcast which has a very boring Dominique Wilkins, and I don't even know who the other guy is on the Atlanta call. But anyway, I miss Dennis Newman, and it's going to suck not having him. I don't know. I, I know you have strong thoughts to this as well. Uh, well, it just sucks because not only professionally was he one of the best, but also a very uh, kind and good man and long-tenured Magic employee. So, uh, And also it sucks when anyone 
loses their employment anyway, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just De- Dennis had done had been doing it for over twenty years, and I'd listened to a lot of games, a lot of his games, especially when I was doing the family car parking business for for quite a few years there when I was growing up. But I mean, he he would be the guy, and um, I I'm really I'm really gonna miss hearing him. I'm gonna miss talking to him when I was do, doing media. I mean, him and Dennis and I would have some pretty good conversations. Uh, just talking about the team and other stuff and really friendly guy, really good guy. And I'm going to miss him. So hopefully he can come back or at least I, I don't, I don't know if he's going to call any games for anybody else, but um, yeah, it's his voice is it's, it's going to suck not having his voice, but anyway, so going back to Jonathan Isaac, the NBA granted the magic a $3.68 million injury exception because J.I. is going to be out for the season. So that's worth about half of J.I.'s salary for the year. And, you know, our roster is full right now. We've got 15 players plus two more two-way players. So we're full roster-wise. We're full money-wise. We're just under $2.8 million under the luxury tax. Uh, so we're, we're over the salary cap, and we're almost pushing up against the luxury tax, which for this team, you definitely don't want to be paying into the luxury tax for that. But um, So I, I don't expect this $3.68 million injury exception to get used, not without some trades or just some moves in general. And I'd just be surprised if it gets used at all. I don't know if you had any thoughts to it or if you think that, you know, if you agree that nothing's going to happen right now until somebody gets moved. Yeah, I think it's important. Well, first of all, I think we knew this was coming and that the um, injury exemption would be granted. But also, I think it's important to note that just because it's at the Magic's disposal, it will not be used barring, um, you know, I guess if the season goes off the rails or if we get a great trade package for probably Vooch, Ross, or Fournier, that uh, this will probably come and go and be sat on um, for this year, just just by virtue of, of the tax-paying penalty that, as you mentioned, makes no sense. And uh, I guess this is sad news that uh, the day before the season starts, we're both declaring that the Magic are not championship contenders then. Yeah, I think, and we'll we'll get to uh, we'll get to it our juice it or lose it se- lose it segment. But I, I yeah, I, we're we're not in the hunt. Although I'm sure you can get amazing betting odds on that right now if if you're if you're able to to do such things. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm not in the championship mood with this squad. So all right, let's talk about some preseason uh, viewpoints, just some stuff that uh, observations where the Magic. I thought they they looked okay this preseason. They finished two and two. They split the, their road games in Atlanta and they split their home games with Charlotte. Uh, we'll definitely benefit from playing four preseason games because some teams, you know, such as we'll say Philly, they only played two. Some teams only played three. Uh, very few played four, and so a lot of teams just based off of all the free NBA league pass I was able to watch. Um, you know, many of these teams look rusty as hell like they they do not look ready some of them and so i think the magic continuity might come in hand we thought it would in the bubble but then injuries kicked in and just completely negated that continuity but um with something we're gonna have to capitalize on early and from a preseason observations perspective i i have a list of stuff i don't know if you got a list but um look it's it's tough to judge much in preseason because 
we don't know what coaches asked the other coaches, you know, what was Clifford asked of, what did Clifford ask of the other coaches to do with offensive and defensive sets in these games. You know, the Magic, for large chunks of games, were going with defensive sets they don't lean on in past Clifford seasons. You know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, even Charlotte, when they went full court press and came back and, and won that first home game or, you know, that we had, you know, they were doing it against our second and third and third team guys. And in the case of Okiki and Cole Anthony, they had never seen a full court NBA press before. So um, I wouldn't freak out about losing that game. Um, and then, and so there's, so in that regard, there's, there's not a whole lot you can take from that. But, you know, I do think uh, from a valuable, you know, which Magic players are most valuable perspective, I, I can honestly say that if Vooch and or Markel Fultz miss significant time, we're, we're fucked this season. Like, if we have any aspirations to make the playoffs, we can't lose those guys for a large chunk of games. You know, Fultz only missed one game last year. Vooch, you know, he want he, you know, people again keep forgetting, but last November he, you know, last year in November he won Eastern Conference uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and then literally the next night in Toronto he got hurt, and he didn't miss an enormous amount of time. But between November and basically till February, it took him that long to basically get back to his his him, you know his self. He didn't really get back to his kind of twenty and eleven or nineteen and twelve form. Um, until you know around the all-star break and then definitely in the bubble and in, in, in the playoff series against Milwaukee but it took him a while to get going and if he has a situation like that again we're we're in big trouble with how good some of the other you know how much better some of these teams are um I thought for this preseason it was very obvious to spot uh, a good Aaron Gordon versus a bad Aaron Gordon a good Aaron Gordon, he's basically, and I've said this for four or five years, he's Sean Marion 2.0 where he's playing defense, he's cutting like crazy, he's getting to the rim like crazy. He's not, you know, and a bad AG is one that's just settling for bad shots. And AG is one of our best passers on the team. And statistically, and there's a track record, when he's dishing out assists, the Magic are really, really dangerous. And so... um and then from a from a looks perspective, I like his afro. I think he should keep the afro. What are your thoughts on some of the stuff I've I've mentioned so far, Penny? Uh, well, I'm with you on the hairstyle for sure. I, I I think yeah, an important note on the any obviously with our we have depth, but mm-hmm. we don't have skilled depth. So any injury is going to be catastrophic, specifically to Vooch or Ag or Fultz. And I think an important note on that front, too, a lot of people don't understand how limited the practice time is once the season starts. Yeah. And I'm sure that will be uh, multiplied this year in, in the sense that, you know, the schedule's condensed, timeline's condensed. You don't know what you're going to have in terms of available bodies. Yep. To get players back up to speed, it's one thing to have them cleared to play. It's another thing to have them... Um, you know, ready in terms of timing um, when they're back on the floor so that they're as effective as they can be. Mm-hmm. I, I think in terms of my preseason takeaways, the most important thing is that Okiki and Anthony look like NBA players. Yeah. Uh, which you you never know, right, until you see uh, somebody on the floor. And we've certainly had our fair share of draft picks that um, 
look like Reese Gaines. So that's, <laughs> that's yeah. an encouraging sign. I think it's also encouraging that they're going to be part of the rotation right away. I think that speaks to their current level of play and also the aspirations that the front office and the coaching staff has for them. And I think the other thing too, is we're going to see probably more zone defense played by the magic this year than we have um, certainly in the last three seasons. That's interesting. What, what makes you think that just because we don't have Isaac or just what do you, what makes you think that? I, I think that they're, I think that, the Magic are going to have to try and throw some additional wrenches in um, okay. in terms of, of just different looks. I think Clifford is becoming a more evolved coach. I don't know if that's the right word, but for all the criticism on Magic Twitter and everywhere else, I, I think he's trying to modernize his approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think utilizing the, you know, the length and the skill set that we have in terms of bodies on our roster um i think that we'll see effective zone defense and specifically probably with the the second unit once everybody gets healthy and and rolling there yeah that'll be interesting yeah i I don't know i wasn't too impressed by our zone in preseason but it's preseason i'm not again i'm not putting too much into it so um i mean talking about okie you know chuma and cole okiki's passing and three-point shooting really give me hope for him and those were so at least in preseason better than his actual defense was and defense can always catch up if i mean he was show he he threw some awesome passes in in some of these games and then that three-point shot i mean if he's hidden between you know hitting around 35 38 percent of that three-point shot in his rookie campaign we're we're looking pretty good and once he you know, and again, it's trial by fire with these guys, and and especially Chuma's case. Chuma, you know, people a bit were touting his defense abilities, but I mean, when he went up against guys like Gallinari and and I guess Collins one on one, I mean, their strength kind of overwhelmed them. So we'll see once he actually catches up, and he's got less of a you know deer in the headlight type look that um, you know where he'll stand. But I like Chuma. He's got that deceptive length for a six eight guy. Um, and we'll we'll see how that goes, but I, I was really impressed actually with him offensively, especially when he he settles into a rhythm. Um, he's not shy to admit when you know when he's nervous, and he's that's that's what I like about both Cole and Chuma, at least uh, interview wise. Chuma sounds like a shy guy and whatnot, but I mean out on the court, I think he'll be he, once he gets a little comfortable, he's gonna fit in really well. Cole is just he wants to be a leader. He. You know, I think Jeff Turner was talking about in the Matt in the Pod Squad podcast they had just how how much he talks, he speaks, and trying to communicate. And I I think we could use more of that communication. Fultz has definitely been evolving and getting better with the communication. Vooch probably has, um, but Cole is not a guy that's scared. And I guess having an NBA father like you know, and Greg Anthony, who was in the league for ten years and was a stud at UNLV. I mean. Um, you know, that, that helps you prepare coming in considering again, you have no summer league, you have a very abbreviated training camp and, and preseason. So, um, you know, with Cole Anthony, don't be shocked if we see some just amazing blocks from him this season, just some chase down pin against the, you know, pinballs against the rim type blocks. Cause I mean, I think overall he held his own defensively one-on-one. 
at least it wasn't worse than DJ Augustine, which again, that's not saying much, but if you can defend better than Augustine out of the gate, you'll get more playing time. And, you know, Clifford today, again, we're recording this on a Tuesday evening, but Clifford today mentioned that Chuma and Cole were cemented in the second unit. So they're going to play meaningful minutes out of the gate here opening night. And I'm excited to see that. But, uh, you know, we saw a lot of a lot of preseason experimentation with Cole and Markel as a backcourt duo, and I'll be intrigued to see how much of that we see in these games that will actually count now, and if we get in a situation where actually Cole and Fultz might close a game together in the backcourt. Uh, I don't know if you had any other comments to add to that, Penny, or not, but I'm excited about Cole. Cole, as a you know number 15 pick, is looking like a uh, a pretty good get right now. I think he was second in the at, amongst all rookies in, in scoring points per game in preseason, and so and including that you know 19 point game he had in that last preseason game against Charlotte, including the game winner basically and some clutch free throws. He's he's a confident guy, and I think he's going to have the right mentality to to hopefully avoid uh, some type of rookie wall. Yeah, I think certainly. Um, to parrot what the Magic front office staff tend to say about a lot of the players. He certainly seems like a gym rat, you know? Um, And that's basically everyone is skilled and everyone is talented. And I think the biggest determination in in what makes or breaks a career is the level of work and the type of work that you put in. So certainly all of the signs and over the course of the last month or two have been very positive and encouraging for his development and, and the future. Yeah. And, you know, with the, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So uh, let's talk real quick about the two way guys or the G league guys. So I kind of wish Devin Kennedy was a two way contract, not Jordan bone. Um, there's a Seth Curry type of preseason situation that may develop if, uh, Kennedy isn't retained by Lakeland's G League team, but he, he should be. I think he'll, he'll, he'll be with them. But, um, you know, he, Kennedy, Kennedy hit one of those clutch threes late in that, that last preseason game. And so I'm intrigued to see if he can become a three point threat. Um, the other, I had a couple other notes, but Kem Birch has had probably one of the best preseasons out of all the Magic guys. I know, I mean, Booch led the team in in scoring. He, his, he averaged like about 19 points per game in the preseason, which was the most than any other Magic player. But um, Birch is not going to relinquish, relinquish that backup center position uh, to Mo Bamba anytime soon. And so we'll see uh, now that Bamba is, is practicing, we'll see when Mo actually gets some minutes on the court. Uh, I doubt it'll be opening night, but who knows? Um, the Magic exercised their team option on Mo, and look, Mo's got all the COVID nineteen recovery going on still, and it's 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 tough. It's a tough situation to be in when you know this season you got to prove your worth. But uh, you know, what are your thoughts on on Kim or Mo? And I mean, there's some Magic fans that almost kind of want to force Mo to get back up center minutes. And I'm not one of those people, especially when you're in a non-tanking situation. Kem's busted his ass and he's even added a jump shot and he's made some interesting and ones as well. Um, and I'm a Kem guy. I like Kem. 
you know, I know at 28 years old, he's it's it's going to be tough to see him get a lot better. I mean, he was talking about adding a three-point shot, which we didn't see in the preseason. But I mean, he threw in he threw in a few interesting jump shots. Um, but I, I'm Mo's got to earn it. And when you have a guy like Kem, who's a great defender and who's our best screen setter on the team, you got to earn it to dethrone him. Yeah, and for all intents and purposes, the second unit over the last couple of years has been better when Kem has been playing center. So I think it's interesting that Clifford talked about trying to find a way to find more minutes for Kem at the four spot. I don't know if that will, um, if that's something that he's still going to work towards. I hope not. I he mentioned it, but we didn't really see it in preseason, and I, I think. I, I think there's enough confidence in Okiki. And, I mean, look, Gary Clark's now the third power forward until, you know, Aminu comes back and Isaac's out for the whole year. But, I mean, Gary's not getting normal time. He's out of the rotation. So, I I don't know. I, I think Chuma's got the forward lockdown. I think maybe once Mo actually starts showing the right progress, then we'll have an issue. But at least out of the gate, I, I don't expect to see Kem playing four. Um I don't know if you had another point to add to it or not. Yeah, well, I agree with that. I, I think that um, featuring Aaron and confidence in Okiki would limit that or you know, only be a spot minute situation. But I think that speaks to how the coach feels about Kem Birch. Yeah. Certainly um, until Bamba is fully healthy and ready to contribute, there's no reason to just supplant Kem in the second unit. And then, uh, you know, the last note I had is, hey, Dwayne Bacon's a starting small forward for right now because you know James Ennis, James Ennis hasn't played any preseason action. He's you know he's been out with either like a toenail issue, and then the big I guess the bigger issue was his calf. But he's not going to start opening night, and it looks like Bacon is at the small forward position. Um, Dwayne's shown some interesting offensive moves. It's just a matter of him developing consistency as a as a potential offensive guy, and I don't know. I I viewed him as like a hybrid Jermaine Taylor. Yeah, shout out UCF for that one uh, with DeQuan Jones type thing. But there's also kind of some Jonathan Simmons in there with him, for better or worse. Where I, Bacon's literally a wild card. I don't know what we're gonna get from him opening night and moving forward. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how long Bacon stays in that position, whether, you know, Ennis gets back quick enough to where he'll then be the starting small forward, or if he throws in Michael Carter-Williams into the starting lineup, we'll see. But um, what are your thoughts kind of on our small forward position? I, again, I, it's, I, I can't judge anything because I don't know what Dwayne Bacon's going to really provide. And look, if we win games, it won't matter. But if we're losing games, we're going to have to look at that small forward position hard and deep. Yeah, I mean, well, consistency is what gets you paid. That's the difference between Flip Murray and James Harden. Is, you know, <laughs> yeah, that is a big difference. You know, like, so I, I'm not anticipating any sort of consistent production from Dwayne Bacon. I am hopeful that we will continue our opening night streak um, and whatever kind of uh, mystical power we have over Miami over the last couple of years that he'll contribute enough there. I, w- I would not be totally shocked, to be honest with you, if once Ennis fully recovers, 
that Bacon will go from starting to out of the playing rotation. Yeah, Clifford um, likes doing that, so I, I won't be shocked either. Yeah, we've we've seen that before, where he tries not to disrupt the you know the second unit. Yeah, um, God knows he did that enough with a one do, so that's why yeah, he's in Dallas. So that's, that that would be what I see um, in terms of short term outlook for the small forwards. I would imagine that Ennis comes back sooner than later. Um, but I wouldn't anticipate any starting lineup adjustments until Ennis is healthy. I don't think Michael Carter-Williams will slide into the starting lineup anytime soon. Yeah, it didn't help that Michael had a really rough time Yikes. shooting the ball, three-point shooting as well. Um, I felt like a, most of those three-point misses came in that first game in Atlanta. He, he got up a lot of shots, but it's preseason. I, I fully will start judging people in the regular season, but... Um, I think Clifford's going to go with a ten-man rotation. I don't know because last season and seasons past, he's like he, he's he's done it where he'll throw in you know Aaron with the second unit or Evan with the second unit. So we'll see how that goes if he goes with a pure you know starting five and then a pure five-man uh, second unit. Um, I'll be fascinated to see with that. But uh, Penny, you ready for some juice it or lose it? Let's do it. So we haven't done this in a while, but. Uh, basically juice it is a positive response and lose it is the, uh, is saying no, the negative response. But, uh, this is kind of our way to get through some of these, uh, these magic season questions a little bit, but juice it or lose it, Penny. Evan Fournier gets traded before the trade deadline, which the trade deadline, I guess, is March 22nd, I believe. Well, I would like to freshly squeeze it as, as would many others, but I'm going to go ahead and lose that one, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with the track record over the last several years, and that's been less activity as opposed to more activity, and I would anticipate Fournier being on the roster as we conclude the year. What do you think? So, well, before I answer, do you think then that he gets a new contract with the Magic, or do you not want to go there yet? I do not. Okay. So because of that, I'm going to go with lose it because – or sorry, I'm going to go with juice it Fournier does get traded before the trade deadline because that's the basically the last moment you'll be able to get any type of assets or value from him. Unless you really think you can get some type of sign and trade, you know, get into some type of sign and trade situation in the in the offseason. But um, you know, I'm juicing it because I, I think that Fournier and with these Isaac and Fultz extensions, money's tight. We're we're looking at luxury tax if we bring back Fournier unless other moves get made. But I don't think Evan fits with this team. I, I, I just, as the years have gone by, as every season, every month goes by, I more and more just think that Evan just doesn't fit with this team like I want him to. And yes, we ask a lot of him um, for what he does, but there's simple plays that he can make that cause problems for us. And a lot of the reason why we're in, close crunch time situations rather than comfortably winning games is because Evan's either holding on to the ball too much or just making bad decisions. And so a lot of that, I, I, I would just prefer somebody else in that position. And I wasn't kidding when I said two, you know, two seasons ago, again, you know, two years ago in the Raptor series that I prefer one to starting a shooting guard over him. I, I'm not an Evan guy. Um, nice guy. I just, I, you know, plays really well for the French national team. 
he would do very well as a fourth or fifth guy, you know, on on another team probably on a playoff team, which is why you should be able to get good value for you know something from him, be it um, maybe a late, you know, maybe a first a, a protected first round pick. Probably not. You may. I'm hoping mostly for a young, talented guy that you can poach from a playoff team. That's that's my hope at this point because they really should have traded him this off season. Um, you know, he's still even though he wasn't good in the playoff series against Milwaukee, you could easily blame that on him being ill. Um, you know, with a non-COVID illness. Um, but during the season, offensively, he had one of you know one of his best seasons. Yeah, he had a career year offensively. Um, Evan is the first to say that defensively he he needs to do a lot better this coming season. But Evan's a guy that he says the right things, but he doesn't always kind of do it on the court. Um, and so I I don't know what you're going to be able to get from him, but I think he gets dealt. That's my point. I don't know if you want to add anything else to it. Uh, no, we'll, we'll see what okay. happens. All right, juice or lose it. The Magic will have at least one all-star. What do we think, Penny? Um, I'm going to juice it, but it's going to be juice from concentrate because I think uh, the interesting thing this year is that there will not actually be an all-star game that's played. Right. Which also means there will be no additional injury replacement players named. Right. You actually got to, like, if you earn it, you're actually earning it this year. You're not an injury replacement. This is true. I, I think Vooch or AG will make the cut this year. I'm not sure which one yet. It might depend on Aaron Gordon's hair, but <laughs> I, I think we'll get one. I don't think Aaron's going to average enough points to to be voted in, which is fine because if he's efficient, that's what I want from him. I'd rather him be efficient than school average, you know, 17 points per game and our team not being good. So, um I'm juicing it. It's it's going to be Vooch, I think, uh, which is going to get to my next uh, my next one in a second. But I think Vooch is going to be the guy. He's got one All Star already to his name. It'd be great if he got named to a second one, just to kind of legitimize almost his 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 NBA and his Magic legacy a little bit more. Um, it's already up there, considering uh, his tenure with the team and how high statistically he is on quite a lot of the Magic's franchise lists. Um, you know, he's going to, literally in like a week, he'll be uh, first all-time on the Magic in made field goals. He's he, he only needs like 22 made field goals to own that record. And so um, he's top five in a whole bunch of statistics with this franchise. And I think Vooch is going to actually have a career year. Uh, this, this, this is probably going to be his best year ever and he's 30 years old so um that's gonna leave my next one though so uh juice it or lose it Vucevic will average over 21 and a half points per game this season I don't think I shared this one with you Penny so um his career high in a season was two seasons ago at 20.8 points per game that was his all-star season I'm saying I'm asking you Penny juice it or lose it uh Vooch average uh, Vooch uh, averages over 21.5 points per game this season that's a good one um because we do talk about the team success being the overall goal and with the way our roster is constructed you would like to see that happen um by committee where you know it's equally distributed uh that being said uh yeah I I can see that you're juicing it 
I'm going to juicy juice it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think all of your points are valid. He's even though he's 30, he seems to continue to get better and better. Yeah. Um, and maybe by virtue of the pace that the Magic are playing this year with Fultz and, and Anthony, there's uh, some more possessions involved. So, yeah, let's do it. Over over 21 and a half. Yeah, look, in the eight bubble games that he averaged, uh, that it, in the eight bubble regular season games, he averaged just over 20 points per game. In the playoff series against Milwaukee, he averaged about 28 points per game, which is insane for the five-game series. If If he can add just a few points per game you know, to, to his, to his, to that 20 tally, if it's 22, um, that's probably a good sign for the magic because Vooch is, is being encouraged to shoot more three pointers and God knows the refs aren't giving him, uh, you know, free throw line attempts ever, even though he gets hacked a million times a game, he just can't get to the free throw line. But if he can average eight to nine, three point attempts per game and make them at that, 37 38 uh, percent shooting clip he's gonna get there he's gonna get over it you add that with his you know rebounding he should still be averaging you know double digit rebounds per game he'll probably be averaging maybe a career high in assists this year again I don't know I mean but if he's somewhere in that four to five assist range at the center position look he's not on Jokic's level but good things happen when Vooch gets the ball in in kind of those ideal sight line positions uh, in a post-up situation where he can pick out anyone on the court, and this is where you want to cut like a madman because he'll find you if, if you're open. But this Magic team, and as much as a lot, some Magic fans don't like him and they want him traded, again, Vooch is the best player on this Magic team right now, and until someone dethrones him, whether that's going to be Fultz, Aaron, Isaac, I don't know, but until that happens, Vooch is your best guy offensively, and good things happen when he gets the ball. No, we're not, you know, we don't go at a high pace because of it, but we still average pretty decent amount of points per game when when we're hitting all cylinders. And so we'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm juicing it. I think Vooch gets over 21 and a half points per game. Um, I don't know if you had any other feedback on that, Penny, or not. And look, I don't want this to be a situation where kind of like under Vogel, like Vogel told Vooch, like, stay outside of the paint, shoot a whole bunch of shots. He's still going to have to find that balance because that's how you get into rhythm and that's how you then get into making a decent percentage on high attempts. So I don't know if you had any thoughts to it. Uh, I think we also, I would say you more than me, but I think we get criticized for, um, I, I guess, being supporters of Vucevic. And really, I think it's just recognizing his value more than anything. Uh, but on a personal note, I think it would be cool for him to continue to improve and post higher, better statistical averages. And I just don't see any reason why it can't happen this year, especially as you mentioned with the offensive focus on, you know, really increasing the amount of three point attempts that he takes a game. And and I don't think that Clifford will lose the focus. Look, when we need a bucket, the highest percentage play call is getting the ball to Vucevic in the post and having him turn over the shoulder. So I don't think they'll lose that from the offensive uh, repertoire. Yeah, and Vooch, I mean, and Clifford does a good job, I think, re-emphasizing to guys if if Nick's gone a few possessions without touching the ball, that he needs to touch the ball more. So we'll see. Again, a lot of how this season plays out is going to depend on, you know, how much do his teammates really want to 
trust and feed Vooch. And look, that Milwaukee series probably gained him some points in the locker room already, you know, some extra just confidence from his teammates. So we'll see. But all right, next juice or lose it involves uh, our rookie Cole Anthony, who is again the 15th overall pick. But uh, juice it or lose it, Cole will have a better rookie campaign than number three overall pick LaMelo Ball of the Charlotte Hornets. I would very much like to juice it like a like a single serve V eight cam. <laughs> I like me some V eight. Me too, man. Um, I I'm gonna lose that one. I, I think um, certainly, you know, we saw them go head to head for fifty percent of the preseason, but in a very small sample size. I, I don't know what kind of I you know, we're assuming that we know Anthony will be the backup point guard, but we don't know what the minute distribution will be like in True. terms of uh, strictly backing up Markel or playing some together. Um, I think there's definitely an onus in, in Charlotte to really feature Lamelo. I think they will be out of the playoff picture before the Magic are. Hopefully okay. We'll be in the playoffs, you know. Okay. Um, so I just think there's going to be more opportunity to feature Lamelo. Um, and I think <laughs> Lamelo also has a uh, um, less self-imposed restrictions in terms of, you know, flashy assisting and streaky shooting. So over time, I think that'll add up to probably, at least on paper, a more impressive rookie campaign. Okay, that's fair. And look, I mean, he's going to get more spotlight and entertainment as we, you know, spotlight from the, from some of the big media companies and whatnot, um, even though Greg Anthony does work for Turner and um, maybe we'll get the NBA TV feed giving Cole Anthony uh, some love, who knows, but um, I'm juicing it though. I think, uh, oh man. So I think Cole shot, yeah, Cole Anthony shot 47% from three in the preseason, 48% from the field in general. Again, it's, it's only preseason, but that's really good for a rookie. Again, that's on a really tight timeline and being thrown into the fire. Um, LaMelo, I think, is also coming off the bench to start the season at least. He'll probably get more minutes out of the gate than Cole. I think Cole, I'll be happy if he gets like 15 minutes per game to start. Um, LaMelo is probably going to get somewhere in the 20s, I'm sure. But, I mean, he's playing behind Devontae Graham, who is just a man on fire sometimes when he when he finds his range. But... And then uh, Terry Rozier, I think, is, uh, you know, Scary Terry, I think, is is starting next to Graham. But um, you're right. LaMelo is going to get the keys to to do what he wants. But ball can't shoot worth a damn right now. And a lot of what determines a good rookie campaign does involve scoring. And unless ball's racking up, you know, double-digit assists and even maybe double-digit rebounds, I think Cole can get him on just shooting percentages. So I am juicing it. Um, if the Magic are a better team, that's going to help too. But, I mean, I, I, I threw that in as a fun one because especially in the last preseason game, Cole noticeably kicked LaMelo Ball's ass, and I was very pleased to see that. So, All right, Penny, juice it or lose it. A Magic player will make a first or second all-rookie team. So this is basically between Cole Chumo Kiki, and I guess technically Kareem Mane would count as well. So what do you what do you think? Um, I think by by virtue, I'm going to go ahead and lose this one too, and not to say that I don't think they'll have productive rookie seasons, but I think by virtue of the um, emphasis that's being put on this rookie class, there's a lot of high-profile 
um, at least in terms of cities and teams that True. players went to. I think um, I think there's an impetus for media and and the people that you know decide on these selections to highlight players from other teams, even if the stats are similar. That's fair. I'm I'm juicing it. I think Cole sneaks into a second team, um, but. I wouldn't completely count out Chuma, especially if some, you know, if Aaron gets hurt or gets traded. Um, I wouldn't count out Chuma get, getting in the mix. Um, he's gonna have a lot of ground to make up though, because you know, look, he's he's got to especially work defensively on getting up the part of where Clifford can trust him to to start him or to to give him bigger minutes. But I mean, he continues to take Gary Clark's minutes, so he's he's doing okay so far. But I I I'm fairly optimistic in Cole Anthony, and look, he wasn't on my radar at 15 when the Magic were picking. I would have preferred R.J. Hampton. We'll see how that plays out. But Cole's impressing me, and look, my only doubts with Cole is is his body, is his frame, because I think he's closer to six one than his listed six foot three, and he's he's got a slim body, he's got a slim frame. I hope he can handle the punishment that that body's going to take during an NBA season. That's condensed, not, nonetheless, as well. You're playing 72 games between now and and May, but um, you know if his body can hold up, I the sky's the limit for him. The way this guy's shooting and the way his confidence is just through the roof. So um, yeah, we'll see. All right, I have a couple more. Uh, so juice it or lose it. The entire Southeast Division makes the playoffs or the play-in tournament. So for this, all five teams would have to finish in the top ten in the East. So what do you think, juice it or lose it, Penny? I'm quickly losing this one. I, I have zero faith in, in Charlotte. Charlotte hold up there under the bargain. All right. I, I, I'm going to say juice it just to go against you. It's not crazy for this to play out because – you need basically five teams to be five non Southeast Division teams to be below us, basically to be below the division for that to happen. I think it's possible for Cleveland, New York, Chicago, and Detroit to all be worse than the entire division. I, I really do. I, I don't think that's outlandish. But then the crazy one: it's you basically need one of Toronto or Indiana to fall to eleventh. Now, there is a situation where Toronto free falls and plummets, and Indiana's got to, you know, because, you know, look, with Toronto, Kyle Lowry's in his mid-30s, um, and then Siakam, he had that setback in the playoffs. Fred Van Vliet just got paid a whole bunch of money. Who knows how much more attention he's going to get on the court now. Um, you know, they're depending a lot on OG Ananobi, who just got his extension as well. Um I, I don't know. They're, they're, Nick Nurse is a hell of a coach, but if Toronto and and they're playing in Tampa, they're not playing at you know in Toronto. So there's a lot of factors kind of going against the Raptors right now. It wouldn't shock me if they if they if they fell out of at least the top six. Now, how far below the the top six they would go, I don't know. But um, in Indiana's case, you know Oladipo's on a contract year for better or worse. Maybe that 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 hurts their team. They got a new head coach that. They want to play an entirely new system. Yeah, Indiana's got a lot of talent when you factor in, you know, Sabonis, TJ Warren, um, who he's, he's a chuck machine. And hey, if if some of that bubble success goes to his head too much, maybe that hurts Indiana too. But they still got Brogdon. Um, Miles Turner is going to be pissed off that he was included in trade rumors galore. You know, the Pacers came so close to getting Gordon Hayward basically in a sign and trade. Um, 
I, I could see a situation where the Pacers fall, especially if the new coach isn't doing a good job for them, um, which Nate McMillan would be really happy about, I'm sure. But um, I'm going to juice it. But it's it, it, again, it's it's more kind of to go against you. I, th- I think I'm with you that it, it'd be really hard to get the Southeast Division, which most Vegas betters would have like three of the five teams in the division not even get to 33 wins basically for the season but um it'd be pretty interesting if if the if five if five teams in one division finished in the top 10 i don't know if you had anything else to add to that um i I feel like the last time the magic were good that the southeast division on the whole was pretty good um more so than other divisions in the Eastern Conference in terms of like parity across the divisions. No, you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't thoroughly, thoroughly dig in, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not completely out of the question, I don't think. But all right, I got to see two more. So, uh, juice it or lose it, the Magic will finish last in the Southeast Division. So, based off of your Charlotte comments, I'm going to assume you lose it, correct? I'm losing, yeah, I'm losing that one with regard to Charlotte, and I have to tell you, I'm not 100% sold on Atlanta or Washington either. Yeah, Um, I'm also losing it. I'm probably less confident than you, which is a shocker because I'm very optimistic and confident normally, but look, Atlanta, Charlotte, Washington all could easily finish above us and, and, and look, Miami's going to probably win the division. That's not shocking. Although I do think that it's going to be really hard for them to recreate their play in the bubble in this current season. So we'll see where Miami stands, but I mean, they're the strong Southeast division favorite. I'm not going to question that right now. Um, we'll see how that plays out, but you're right. I mean, look, Atlanta, they added Gallinari, who he looks stiff as a board, but he can still shoot. I mean, all the injuries have just killed whatever athleticism Gallinari had. Um, you know, now that he's in his thirties, um, you got, uh, you know, the big one was Bogdan Bogdanovich signing him away from from Milwaukee, basically, and well, signing him away from Sacramento anyway. Um, Bogdanovich, he looked good in the preseason games against the Magic. He's just a sniper that's that elevates them a lot. I don't know how Capella's going to do on that Hawks team. I mean, they they Atlanta made a lot of signings that are going to make some of their young guys unhappy. How those young guys kind of re, you know kind of react, we'll see. It could be good or bad. Charlotte, they got Gordon Hayward. Hayward is going to be back opening night. Um, you know, even though he he suffered that uh, that injury to to his pinky finger, um, Hayward I guess is going to play opening night. Um, They've got Lamelo Ball. We'll we'll see uh, how James Borrego uh, coaches up a team that's actually got some expectations now. So, you know, we'll see how how Borrego does there. Washington, they gave Davis Bertans that money, and then of course they made the huge trade to team up Bradley Beal with Russell Westbrook. Um, their depth is a real problem. Like I think the Wizards only have like eight actual NBA guys on their roster, and they're really going to depend on Westbrook and Beal basically averaging 60 points per game because the Wizards were like the worst defensive team in the league last season. Basically them in Atlanta were, were dog shit defensively last season. And it's going to be similar stuff where they're going to just have to score on average, like over 120 points per game to win games. So we'll see. But, um, you know, Vegas has the magic over under on wins at 30 and a half. So if the magic, yeah, and then again, this is a 72 game season. So, um, if if you bet if you think the magic will get to 
you know, a 31 and 41 record, then guess what? You win your bet on the over. So, um, everyone in the media and Vegas has us out of the playoffs. Some don't even have us making the play in game, which I think that's a little harsh, but, um, I mean, could there be a situation where I see the magic finishing 11th? Yeah. It depends on Chicago and Detroit and the other people in our division anyway. But, um, for the most part, it's kind of it really is disrespectful to have the magic out outside of that seven to ten range. Considering last season we didn't have Isaac for half of that season, I know we don't have Isaac full full for a full season, but um, this Magic team got better. Even though we made very few moves, this Magic team's better. We have more shooters. We have Cole Anthony and Chumo Kiki. Um, you know, we lost Augustine, but. Um, you know, I think Cole is going to fill in very well in the backup point guard position. I think Dwayne Bacon is a positive over, say, a guy like Melvin Frazier. Um, we'll see how that pans out. But, um, yeah, I, I just I'm, – I'm, I'm losing it in that I don't think the Magic finished last in the Southeast Division. I'm not 100% confident, but I think people get very attracted to transactions in general. And when they see a team like the Magic not make transactions – the assumption is they're not better, and I completely disagree, especially considering we don't know how, how good that Magic team could have been against Milwaukee in the playoff series. You know, We won the first game, but we had so many guys out for that series, and we're getting a decent amount of them back now for this, for this regular season ahead. So I don't know if you had any other thoughts for that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just hopeful that unlike last year, the continuity plays a role in such a short runway to start the season. All right, last juice or lose it. The Magic will make the playoffs. Um, I'm not counting the play-in. The play-in doesn't count. The Magic will make the playoffs. Juice it or lose it, Benny. Are we counting them making the playoffs if they're the 10 seed? Yes, yes. Okay. I'm, I'm going to juice it. Okay. Um, but this is going to be like a like a shot of wheatgrass situation. But you Either way, it's uh, not necessarily going to be palatable, but uh, eh, it'll be good for us. So you have a sneaking in then uh, in a play-in situation? And unless I'm missing something this year in the same way that I missed something prior to our 2003-2004 season where I predicted 50 wins, I, um, I just think we're going to be right in that same window right in that same realm where we were the last two years and i think that we will sneak into the um seventh or eighth seed of the playoffs um god hopefully this is a good reverse jinx but i have lose it for this one i have us finishing seventh or eighth um i wasn't going to commit to like a seating or any of that but um you know with half the schedule out uh, it's I, i think we'll finish seventh or eighth um, however, I have us losing two straight playing games because I have a feeling that we'll be seventh or eighth and then we'll just have just a random amount of injuries that we'll pick up late in the season and we'll miss the playoff in a very cruel scenario similar to last season because we're missing guys due to injury and, and maybe COVID-19, who knows, maybe, maybe, maybe everybody will be vaccinated by then, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I have a cruel scenario. It's very rare for me that I'm down like this, but um, 
like I said, I think we'll finish seventh or eighth, and then just we'll get hit by the injury bug or the COVID bug, and it's it it it'll be kind of appropriate for a a COVID nineteen season to play out like that, I guess, for a Magic team. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope we make the playoffs, and I hope we prove a lot of people wrong. That's 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 my thought on that. Um, I'm gonna skip the Talon Horton Tucker stuff. I was gonna give Walt Ham a whole bunch of crap about um you know trading the 46 pick to the Lakers for cash two years ago or for the 2019 draft um but I'll I'll leave I'll leave it for when uh, Horton Tucker actually shows it in the regular season but I mean when you score 33 points in a preseason game odds are you're you're pretty good but who knows we'll see but I mean man that was is 6-4 with a 7-1 wingspan it's amazing we we didn't draft him after all but anyway uh we'll save that for for another one um I do want to talk real quick about the schedule and we'll get out of here. But again, we I already we kind of mentioned in the last pod again the first 37 games of our 72 game schedule release. I have us going 19 and 18 in that stretch. I do have us beating Miami opening night. I don't know if you do, Penny. Uh, I don't know if you want to go that route, but I have us going three and two for the month of December, um, and then. We really have to get off to a good start. We've been talking about continuity. We've been talking about how other teams look rusty, or I've been talking about how other teams look rusty and terrible in the preseason games that I've seen on League Pass. Um, Going into the January 8th game in Houston, when the schedule starts getting tougher for us, if we're worse than 5-3, we're in big trouble, I think. Um, Because we get Oklahoma City, we get Cleveland each twice. Um, in that stretch. And OKC and Cleveland are going to be two of the worst teams in the league. We really should be about, we really should be six and two after the first eight games of the season. I think the only two losses I give us are uh, one of the Washington games here in this back to back we'll play after this Heat game on Wednesday. And then the other one is I have us losing to Philly. But um, I don't know if you have any schedule thoughts, any of what I said, but. Um, I'm ready for. I'm actually really excited for the season to start. I'm more excited than I thought I would be, just because I wasn't fully happy with how the free agents, with how just the free agency and lack of trades kind of played out with Weltham. But seeing how well the rookies have have done, or at least the promise that the rookies have, seeing the progress like a guy like Fultz has made, um, the possibility that Nick Vucevic might have a career year, I. I'm excited. I, I really am excited. I hope the Magic get off to a great start. I hope uh, we make the playoffs. I hope we shut a lot of people up. And I'm ready for the season to go. I don't know if you got any final thoughts, Benny. Yeah, I think we know what like the ceiling is on, on this year, give or take. But there's a lot of storylines and a lot of um, intriguing plot lines for fans to follow over the course of the year that will hopefully provide some um some joy and some magical moments and uh yeah I'm, I'm predicting a win tomorrow night as well all right we appreciate you listening to another episode please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating tweet us any of your questions and feedback penny what's your twitter handle at spencer strode and i'm at papa giorgio mbo with that go magic take care and just win get out the way get out the way get out the way yeah.